Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Well, I can truthfully say that Palmetto Church will remain in my memories with great fondness. I want to thank you for inviting me to come. You could have had a a, a lot of preachers to come to this pulpit. And I know you're thinking about, why didn't we get them? <laughs> but uh, uh, you, you, uh, you, you invited me, and I, I, I've been looking forward to this for a long, long time. And, um, and you, you didn't disappoint me. I, I love... I love the fellowship that I've had this week. I met with the staff today, and you've got a wonderful staff. I tell you, this is a, one of the best group of young people that I've seen a long time in a church. I mean that. I mean that. In the first years of my teaching, I, I, I wanted to be a great teacher. And then the Lord uh, spoke to me and said, uh, what, what you need to do is to teach your students to be great teachers and great preachers. And, and so uh, the greatest joy that I have is all over the world, there are students that I've taught and I get emails, and I get letters from them. I hear from many of them when they get in trouble. I hear from many of them when they have celebrations. And it's just a joy to come to one of my students who's done well. Jimmy and Amanda are special people. I spent a week with them in the northern port of Georgia, in 1998, just had a wonderful week together with them, and uh, I've had a wonderful week, and uh, to tell you the truth, if I didn't have a class tomorrow, I wouldn't go home. All of us have our favorite chapters. How many of you have a favorite chapter in the Bible? Not, not a favorite verse, but a favorite chapter, Okay. Some of you need to get revival and get a favorite chapter. <laughs> Excuse me, Jimmy. And um, I, I want you to know that my favorite chapter in all of the Bible is Luke chapter 15. I, I don't know, Jimmy, if you realize this, but I, 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 this chapter motivated one of my books. It's called Portraits of God. And, and uh, I, I love to preach. And everywhere I go, whether, I, whether I'm in an interim or whether I'm in a revival, I always try to preach one sermon from Luke chapter 15. You, you know, it's the story. It's actually three stories. It's uh, the, the story of the shepherd and the sheep, the woman and the coin, and the father with two sons. The simplicity of this chapter 
is great. I have never been able to plummet its profoundness. So every time I preach, I, I, I learn something new from this text. The worst condition that I could get in, and I tell my students this, the, the worst condition that you can ever get in is for you to say, I know the Bible. The Bible is always beyond me. And so this story that I use tonight, even though I try to preach on it, is beyond me. Luke chapter 15, beginning with verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. He spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. J.B. Phillips has been one of my favorite authors for a long time now. He wrote a book that has had a profound influence on me. And listen to this. I first read this book when I was in college. And this book is still in print. The title of this book is Your God is Too Small. J.B. Phillips has a tremendous line in this book that has captured me through the years. He says, All of us are like kindergarten children trying to spell God with the wrong blocks. I personally think that one of the greatest needs of our churches is for us to have a biblical picture of God. Not the God that we guess and imagine that He is, but the God that He has revealed Himself to be. Because, my friend, we, are, we have spelled God with the wrong blocks. There are some people who conceive of God as an old man living far above the cumulus clouds and doesn't know anything about smartphones or radar or Twitter or anything of that sort. He's antiquated. 
There's some people that think that God is a cosmic Santa Claus, that all we ever do is to ask Him for things. Give me this. Give me that. There are some people that think of God as a rather capricious deity. He's ever so touchy because if you don't walk the straight and the narrow, and if you ever err from the way, He will zap you with judgment. There are some who conceive of God... as a judicious bookkeeper. That is, they feel that, uh, that we feel that some people feel that He's looking up from uh, down on earth and He's looking at every one of us and with His omniscience, He knows every good that we do and every bad that we do. And for every good we do, He puts it in a celestial computer on the credit side. And for every bad that we do, Uh, He puts it on the debit side and we think that one day God is going to give us a computer readout and if the good outweighs the bad, then we'll be able to go to heaven. Hogwash. Excuse me. That's a Hebrew word which means ridiculous. I've decided not to go down the realm of human imagination tonight. I've decided to go down the realm of divine revelation for God has revealed Himself of how He really is. And one of the greatest pictures of God is in an agricultural story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And one of them got lost. Now you, yeah, I know what you're thinking right now. You see, I'm getting good by Wednesday night knowing what you're thinking. Uh, I know what you're thinking. You say, I- I've heard many sermons on that. And I, I, I know, I know, it all comes out good. He finds the lost sheep and he comes home rejoicing. Now before I was so rudely interrupted, Let's listen to that story again. It's true that a shepherd had 100 sheep. And one of them was missing. And so the shepherd decided that he would secure the 99 in the wilderness and he would go out and he would search for the sheep that was lost. And he went out and searched and searched and searched until he found it and he brought it home, home to the sheep cove. And I'm telling you, he had a party of rejoicing. Simple, isn't it? I've taught my students, don't read the Bible abstractly. Look at the pictures. And this is one of the most wonderful pictures of God you will ever find in the Scripture. 
And what I want to do tonight is hold up this picture and look at it from various angles so we may see what God is really like. First of all, as I hold up this picture, I want you to see that God values every single human being. There's not a person, I've said this numerous times, but I'm going to say it again and maybe you'll get it. Uh, uh, God values every single person in this room. And God values those people that walk by this building and don't even give a flip for this building or what it stands for. God loves them. When I taught in the seminary, there were times that I felt that I was teaching in a Baptist monastery because I lived on the campus and everybody was a Christian, you know. And so I would get off the campus and I would eat at places uh, uh, that uh, the, the students or the faculty wouldn't eat And I just get to be friends with those people and ultimately share the love of Jesus Christ with them. But there was something that I did when I taught at the seminary. There were times that I felt that God loved the seminary people more than He loved anybody in the city. And so I would get in my car in a late afternoon and I would drive down in New Orleans in the Florida projects. A dangerous place in the city. I would see little children scantily clothed. I would see single mothers taking care of those children. Many of them didn't even know who their father was. I would see men huddled up together and probably talking about some drug deal that they could buy drugs or they could sell drugs. And almost every week, there was the news of a shooting or a killing in the Florida projects. And every time I would go down there, my heart would break because I knew that God valued every one of those people. This is a very unusual, uh, unusual story, an unusual picture. Uh, You see... Uh, Jesus asked a question. You know, have you ever noticed how Jesus asked questions? And, and he taught by means of questions. And he said, what man of you having a hundred sheep if he lose one of them? Now I know you don't like to talk out in church, but here's what you would have said. Why well, just let it go. You've got 99 Did you know the average flock of sheep in Jesus' day was 20? 
You can check that out with William Thompson, The Land and the Book. And, and uh, shepherds, were, they didn't have large flocks. They only had about 20 sheep. And Jesus used what is known in literature as a hyperbole. A hyperbole is an exaggeration for the purpose of emphasis. And Jesus said, What man of you having one hundred sheep, if he lose one of them? And of course, the immediate reaction that you would think about, Why? What's one among of a hundred? But you see, the implicit teaching of this story is that Jesus loved all 100 of those sheep. And the shepherd had a value system where he valued every one of those sheep. I am so glad that that shepherd was not a hyper-Calvinist. Because hyper-Calvinism assigns a fate to a person. But somehow I see that when Jesus said, what man of you having a hundred sheep, he is giving the value that he places upon every human being. God so loved the world, and it is not the will of God that any should perish, but that one, but that all should come to repentance. The shepherd could have said, well, you, you know, that, that sheep has always had the proclivity to wander. I'll just let him go. If that's the way he wants it. He can have his way. That's not what happened. Jesus Christ teaches us in this beautiful picture, there's value in one. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not go into the wilderness and search after that which is one which is lost. So the first glance that I get at this picture of God is that God values every single human being. But yet I turn the picture ever so slightly and I want you to see something that I have seen and that is God grieves over lost, strayed, wandering human beings. Could I summon your imagination tonight? I, I want you to see that old Bedouin shepherd. Do, do, do you see him? He's standing by some rocks with an opening and he's counting the sheep as he goes in. I want you to take a closer look at that old Bedouin shepherd. His dress looks like burlap. You see it? There's smudges of dirt where he didn't have a towel out in the wilderness that he would just wipe his hands after he had uh, washed his hands in a wadi or a stream. There were smudges of blood around his knees because wounded sheep would get close to him when they had been wounded by thorns and the blood would get on 
the garment of the shepherd. You see it? I, I want you to look at his feet. A grotesque thing. He had never had a pedicure. His, his toenails looked like hooves, calloused. His feet, the bottom of his feet were, were, were almost white and the other part of his leg and body were dark. And you see it? I want you to see the shepherd's hands. His hands were weather-beaten. They were, they seemed as if they were leather, nothing soft about those hands. And it seemed as if, uh, if that he had closed his hands, they would have cracked. You see it? You see his hands? Now look on his face. Look at his brow, how it is wrinkled, because he has wrinkled his brow, even though he wears a headpiece, he has wrinkled his brow from the brightness of the Judean sun. Look at those eyes, once beautifully brown and white, but now you can only scarcely see the brown because the, uh, the white has turned to dark brown because of the sun. Do you see his cheeks? His cheeks were very much like his hands. They were like leather. One day I looked at the shepherd in my imagination as I read this text, and I looked at the shepherd as he counted the sheep going into the sheepfold. And when he discovered that one was missing, I did not see a nonchalant shepherd who said, Well, I lost one today. I did not see a shepherd that was angry and was going to go out there and beat the living daylights out of that sheep for wandering away and inconveniencing him. But when I looked at the shepherd, when he discovered that one was missing, I saw tears. Tears going down his cheeks because you see, he was grieving over that lost animal, knowing that he could not, that animal could not find food and water, and knowing that that animal was susceptible to every kind of beast imaginable, and that sheep would die unless he went after the sheep. I think we ought to throw away all of our pictures of God as an angry God out to chase us down like a policeman and to incarcerate us in ecclesiastical misery. I think we ought to look upon God as one who is a shepherd and when we walk away from God, He grieves. 
One of the greatest pictures of Jesus is when Jesus was on the Mount of Olives and he looked over the city of Jerusalem and he saw that that big city and he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings and ye would not. God values every single human being. God grieves over the lostness of every single human being. But let me turn the picture at another angle, and I want you to see this. I want you to see that God searches for the one who is lost. The shepherd did not uh, station himself on a rock and say, well, you know that sheep got away of his own accord. He can, get back on, he can get back of his own accord. I'm not going to go out there and risk my life. No. That's not what he did. He went up the hills of Judea, down the hills of Judea, through the ravines, through the thorn bushes, looking for a lost animal. And the text has such a beautiful word. He searches until he finds it. Circle that word until. How long is that? I don't know. But it's a long, long time. The shepherd comes to a cave. In the Judean hills, there are numerous caves. In fact, I I think you know this, but in 1947, a little Jewish boy was looking for a lost sheep and went into one of those caves and he found some earthen jars and in those earthen, earthen jars, there were some Hebrew scrolls and that's the greatest discovery that's ever been made in biblical archaeology. They're called the Dead Sea Scrolls. So the shepherd looked at the darkness of the entrance of the cave and said, oh my goodness, if I go in there, a leopard will... There are signs in that area today that says, beware of the leopards. If I go in there, I may be torn to bits. I may be torn to bits by, by a leopard. But you know what he did? He had no light. He had to feel his way into the cave. And he felt the walls and he felt the floor. And he went all the way to the end of that cave because you see, he was willing to give his life a ransom for that little lamb. The lamb was not there. And so he got out and continued to search, and he heard a noise. A noise over there behind the bush. And the shepherd went over there to check out the noise, and 
Would you believe it was the little lamb with the, uh, with the, uh, the foot caught in the crevice of a rock? And would you believe that the shepherd went down there and yanked that foot out, took the club and said, I'm going to beat the living daylights out of you. I'm going to teach you not to wander. I think I got the wrong picture. Wait a minute. I got the world's picture. I, 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 want, I want to give you the picture in the Bible. The shepherd goes over there and he takes the the leg of that little lamb and gently pulls it from the crevice of a rock. The lamb is quivering, scared to death. And the shepherd takes his weather-beaten hands and puts it under the tummy of the puts it under the tummy of the sheep and puts the lamb on his shoulder. And the front legs dangle here and the back legs dangle there. And he's taking the lamb back where it belongs in the sheepfold. I was in Nashville, Tennessee several years ago. I was staying at the Opera Land Hotel and I was preaching at a church in uh, in Nashville and they put me up in a nice hotel, but I get lonely in hotels. And, and so uh, I just decided to read and read and reread the, the Gospel of Luke. And as I was reading the Gospel of Luke, I got no further than the 15th chapter. God gave me an insight that I've never seen in a commentary. Probably never will either. When I read that story of the shepherd and the sheep, it occurred to me, that shepherd didn't need that sheep. He already had 99. And you put 99 sheep together, and I don't know how long it'll take, but you'll have 121 before long. And you keep them there for more, and you'll have 146. And you keep them there longer, you'll, you'll, have, you'll have 173. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you'll have to ask the pastor when I'm gone. I'm going to be leaving. <laughs> It occurred to me that the shepherd did not need that sheep. But wait a minute. It came to me as clear as if God had spoken to me that sheep needed that shepherd. And that says to me that God doesn't need us as much as we need God. God. God searches until he finds. And then God restores. Some time ago I was thinking about how, you know, God has no throwaways. You ever, you ever notice that? 
He has no throwaways. We throw, we throw anything away. You know, people throw marriages away. People uh, throw jobs away. They throw money away. God has no throwaways. He restores. You see, when our first parents disobeyed God and God came looking for them in the coolness of the day, He was not out there to whip the daylights out of them. He was out there to bring them back in a companionship with Him. When Moses came down from uh, Sinai and saw them worshiping a golden calf, he said, I think I'll fire Israel. But God didn't fire them. He stayed with them. David committed adultery. And if that wasn't bad enough, he, he had uh, the, the person with whom he committed adultery, her husband killed in, <coughs> in the heat of battle. Did God say, I'm through with David. I'm just through with David. I'm throw him away. No, as I, as I look at this picture, I want you to see that God, after He searches and finds, He restores. And the story of the Bible is redemption. The story of the Bible is grace. Simon Peter was one of the closest apostles to Jesus, but he denied Him in the, in the last hour. Jesus could have said, you know, I think I'll get somebody else. But instead of doing that, he stayed with Simon Peter. Do you remember Jeremiah going to the potter's house and seeing the potter? Do you remember what happened? The, the, the clay got marred while it was on the vessel. Did the potter throw it away? No. And thought, friends, God hadn't thrown you away tonight. And He's not going to throw you away because He wants you to come to the fold. He searched for you and He's found you tonight. And He wants you to see Him for what He reveals Himself to be in Holy Scripture. Yeah, it's amazing. When I see one picture of God, I see many pictures of God. And I was reading this text and, and reading um, a commentary on Luke. And as I was reading that commentary on Luke, the, the author of the commentary that was commenting on Luke 15 didn't say anything like this, but I thought it. This teaches me, this, this, this teaches me not only what God is like, but what the church is like. Do you know that? We know what God is like from this wonderful peril, but we know what the church is like, and that is this. We're nothing more in the church but a bunch of sheep that have all gone astray and been found by the same shepherd. And you have no bragging rights to your acceptance with God. He accepts you by grace 
Everybody is accepted by grace. We've all erred. We've all wondered. And God chooses to restore. Shall we pray? Father, we realize that you're the same yesterday and today and forever, and we know that you know there are people in Palmetto, Georgia, who are lost. They're without Christ. They're without hope. They're without meaning and significance in life, and down deep inside of them, they're afraid of life and afraid about what will happen to them after life. Lord, help every one of us who've who've found the shepherd or been found by the shepherd and been loved by the shepherd to go out and share the wonderful picture of God reflected in the shepherd. If there's someone here tonight that needs to step forward and say, Dear Lord, I, 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 I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Lord, help them to do it tonight. And if there are others that need to come with whatever decision that you lay upon their heart, help them to do it tonight is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.